Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. My co-host, Susan Fox, is unfortunately out with a cold this week. Uh, And our guest today is Morgan Rosenblum the creator of the Treadwater uh, Transmedia Experience, uh, the first piece of which is the Treadwater graphic novel, uh, and the companion piece of which is the Treadwater.tv website. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Gene. appreciate it. So uh, what I have in my hand appears to be a... a a near future post-apocalypse sort of um, storyline. It's actually a pre-apocalyptic storyline. It's sort of what separates us from a lot of the other stuff out there. Um, the setting of the story takes place in a, in a near future, a dystopian one that's uh, sort of headed in that direction, mm-hmm. but sort of still has the ability to be salvaged and saved. Um, so, uh, you know, in contrast to some of the other stuff out there where the, the entire world sort of already gone to shit, pardon my French, <laughs> um, you know, it, it this, we're in a place where it's, it's sort of like it, it we see it happening. We can, mm-hmm. we fear it, we fear the worst, but it, it still has the ability to be saved. You know, it's almost like we're on the doorstep of a potential third world war where, you know, the political turmoil and the, the tensions on a global scale are just <clears throat> at, at, you know, full volume at this point, and one wrong move by any government or worldwide organization could could send the world into you know that world war. Mm-hmm. So this privately funded team of operatives that has no known allegiance to any one government or or uh, <clears throat> currency or religion is is put together, and because no one sort of knows that you know, imagine Batman sort of on a global scale with political ramifications mm-hmm. and uh, rather than, you know, just trying to, to save Gotham or Hell's Kitchen or, you know, a city, it's <laughs> trying to trying to keep the world from tearing itself apart. And, but because it's on this global scale, you know, many governments hunt them as terrorists, which is, you know, just adding to the, mm-hmm. the intrigue of the series. Well, and it's um, a good portion of the first four comic books in this graphic novel uh, are centered around the collection and acquisition of power, specifically um, a nuclear weapon, uh, which um, uh, the Germans are going to 
steal from France in order to safeguard themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, with every story, you need an, what's, you know, an inciting incident. Why does the story begin here? So when we begin our story, Treadwater, the organization is, is already a team and assembled. Mm-hmm. We don't know how long they've been operating for. But um, with the world in the current flux that it's in, Germany has taken a, uh, you know, it upon themselves to acquire a nuclear warhead to use as a deterrent from other organizations and you know um, governments from intervening in their affairs and of course this sends the world into disarray and makes everyone very nervous so treadwater this privately funded team uh whose origin we don't know Mm -hmm. when the story begins uh is tasked with you know removing that threat and sort of stealing that nuclear warhead back but by doing so this is going to certainly put them on like the uh the world's radar if they had been under it you know for the time being now they won't be able to escape the limelight well it from what i read in the story it seemed as though uh, the fact that france had this nuclear warhead in the first place was already alarming another uh, a, a bunch of the other nations well you look at it this way right so america mm-hmm. i mean like there's many world powers currently that exist that have nuclear arms um we did a little research when i say we me and my creative Mm -hmm. team Uh um to see like okay well who doesn't actually have we wanted this story to feel very real right like Mm -hmm. the whole point of the the story is it's supposed to feel like this could in fact be a a future that we, we we might be headed towards you know um so what how can we make this feel very visceral and so that it doesn't feel too far you know out of the realm of, mm-hmm. of possibility and so we learned that germany to to the world's knowledge currently does not have a nuclear warhead france does um so it, they just france is one of the countries that's heavily affected by the economic collapse that uh, spawns from the crash of the euro which is sort of the catalyst that sends the world into this disarray in the first place in our in our future and so Germany takes it upon themselves to sort of prey on the weaker countries, France being one of them, and sends a strike team into um, their nuclear holdings facility, steals a, a warhead um, to use as a deterrent. And mm-hmm. it, again, it, it's sort of like we're getting on the verge of a, a modern day version of the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, well, and it's it's. I mean, looking at it from the German perspective, I mean the 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 man who. Orders this done is a German patriot. I mean, he that's how he thinks. Excuse me a moment. Hooray for the cough button. Uh, uh, the, uh, the man who orders this done is uh, a German patriot, and he is trying to do what's best for his country. And he's unsure of the environment, and he's probably in the same boat as every other... Uh, every other leader of every other country, you know, trying to protect his own borders and trying to um, trying to safeguard his people against the unstable world beyond. So this is uh, a very, uh, a very interesting tightrope for Treadwater to have to walk. Um, no, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, we, I write with a classic paradigm of, um, you know, for every, uh, every villain needs to be able to see themselves as the hero in their mm-hmm. own story, right? You know, um, other than maybe the Joker, who is able, is such a complex, interesting character that doesn't really need to have a true motivation for wanting to sort of do ill in the world. I think most most other villains need to have a true motive that while we might not necessarily agree with their actions, we can understand them. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, we spend a lot of time, as you'll see in the graphic novel, sort of from the antagonist point of view, we kind of bounce back and forth. And that allows us to sort of see it from his perspective, right? You know, this is a a general who's been awarded full control of his country in order to prevent, you know, his raging populace from overwhelming and seizing control of their government. And so once General Heinz Kirklau, the patriot you're speaking Mm of, is awarded control of the country, he, you know, sort of tightens uh, the reins and um, turns up the the volume and forces, you know, full-on military takeover in order to suppress the disobedience. And it results in allowing his country to remain strong while the neighboring ones around him sort of fall prey to uh, the anarchy. And so by doing this, he's sort of shown his own people and even the rest of the world that, you know, his ways, while maybe seem as very firm, are fair and they're working. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's sort of like uh, what's necessary over what's right. And, you know, uh, that's a a big theme that we play with in the story, you know, doing what's right versus what's necessary. You know, where do you draw the line? Um, And utilitarianism, uh, Treadwater is like the organization is uh, a big mindset that they take is the greater good. You know, is it okay Mm -hmm. to kill 100 people if it saves a million? You know, and because of that, uh, it creates controversy with the re- the public and how they view them. You know, who gives them the right to decide who lives and who dies? But at the end of the day, it's someone. They're being decisive. They're taking action, and it's that action that's allowing the world to sort of tread water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see the I, I, I see the point there. It's uh, I I note that uh, there is a pretty solid chunk of this that is uh, strongly science fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are is um, there are futuristic vehicles, you know, uh, v- uh, things that fly with a, no apparent uh, uh, no apparent engines. <laughs> um, there are cyborgs, cybernetically enhanced people, and there is at least one person sitting at the uh, sitting at the table. When uh, the Treadwater, the people of Treadwater, are being briefed on uh, the situation regarding this nuclear weapon that uh, Germany has stolen, um, uh, that doesn't appear to be human at all. I mean, he's anthrop he's anthropomorphic, or an- he's um, humanoid. Uh, are you referring to the wraith? Uh, the the one the in purple blue. one. Yeah, the one. Yeah, bluish purple one. Yeah. So, um, well, to answer to begin with the, the first part, this science fiction. I mean, it's the genre of our our series of Treadwater mm-hmm. is you know a mature sci-fi action drama, right? So, uh-huh. very we wanted to take the the approach that Christopher Nolan took with Batman, right? And make it obviously the Dark Knight uses technology, his Batmobile and whatnot, as high tech. It's superior mm-hmm. to sort of everything else out there. They're almost like high tech. Uh, uh, military prototypes of stuff. So we kind of wanted to do the same thing with Treadwater using science and technology and training rather than, you know, magic or superpowers or alien mm-hmm. abilities, right? So it's a combination, you know, Alan Downs, he's the, the managing director of the Treadwater program, who you'll come to meet. Um, he is the former CEO of a multi, multi billion dollar medical and pharmaceutical conglomerate that has now entered into military sectors. So it's, uh, you know, sort of like imagine Bruce Wayne and Batman are two different people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, our Bruce Wayne is a 65 year old, uh, overweight, uh, genius scientist and self made billionaire who, you know, founded the world, what's become the world's largest medical and pharmaceutical conglomerate at, called Unicor. And so Alan Downs, our Bruce Wayne, 
never, you know, he doesn't have the hero card in him to, you know, or the wild man, mm-hmm. spelunking, fearless persona. So instead of being the the hero himself, he has all the resources resources to outfit someone. Mm-hmm. So he recruits his Batman, or in our case, his operatives to to be the heroes, the vigilantes. Um, but he outfits them, you know, with high-tech weaponry. We call them spec techs, which is short for special technologies. Mm-hmm. So everyone's sort of like superpowers a spec tech. And while, you know, the majority, like all of the characters other than the Wraith are, you know, humans just with unique skill sets, whether it be ex-special forces, uh, ex-Yakuza hitman, a hacker, um, a former Brooklyn cop or what have you, you know, then you have a character known as the Wraith, which is an android created by Alan, who is the sort of the closest thing to this, to a superhero. You know, and it's uh, that character is also the biggest mystery in Shredwater and has the coolest backs, in my personal opinion. Um, it's the best reveal in all of Treadwater. So um, there's, you know, that character is shrouded in mystery, but it, there's a lot more to it. I thought that was uh, I thought that was an android. I mean, when the the tip off is when every single part of the body appears to be mechanical or something, <laughs> it's probably not human. And, uh, you know, I thought, oh, hey, this is pretty cool. And then there's another, um, you know, when I when I see a character like that, because it implies that there is a functional artificial intelligence in this universe. And that opens uh, an entire world of potential, uh, additional storylines and interactions uh, in in the plot line and the characters that would not have been there otherwise. The other character that I thought was noteworthy was um, one of them seems to be cybernetically enhanced as in uh, a metal spine or a metal metal reinforced spine and uh, obviously other body parts as well. So yeah, so that's uh, Yamato Kiyoshi. Kiyoshi is um, ex-Yakuza hitman. Um, Mm -hmm. So one of the neat things about Treadwaters is that every single um, character has uh, a unique backstory, right? Something when Alan was going about his recruitment process, rather than just finding super skilled people and saying, hey, I'll hire you as a mercenary and here's a lot of money, come work for me, he knew he had to find something more than that, some sort of a motivation or, or weakness inside of them that he could exploit uh, or manipulate in order to keep them under his control at all times. So, for example, um, Lucky Joe Merson, who's like the team leader, uh, he's an ex-Special Forces captain, uh, his daughter or his wife was killed in a car crash and his daughter wound up in a coma in that same car crash. And Joe is, you know, he can't keep her alive. He can't pay the hospital bills after the health insurance kicks off. So he's desperate, you know, to do whatever he can to, to keep her alive and on life support. Mm-hmm. And when Alan's going about his profiling and recruitment process, he hears about this ex-Special Forces captain who's, you know, suffered this terrible, terrible tragedy. And, you know, exploits it. And he pretty much says, you know, what would it be worth to you, Joe, if I could keep your daughter alive indefinitely, maybe pull her out of that coma? And Joe says, you know, what do you want me to do? And Alan says, is there anything you wouldn't do to save your daughter? And, of course, the answer is no, right? There's nothing a father won't do to save his daughter. So Joe agrees to join the program, and now Alan's got him hooked. So every single operative has a unique reason, a unique backstory. And the kind of cool thing about the series is that each one of their reasons is so well-defined that it can actually be condensed into a single unique word. So Joe's word is life, the life of his daughter. 
Kiyoshi's is um, refuge, then there's redemption, uh, excitement, purpose, hope. As you go through the series, you're going to learn each of the characters' backstories. Now, in the first installment, the graphic novel that you're holding in your hand, where that's the setup graphic novel, so mm-hmm. we don't get into any of their backstories in the actual graphic novel. At the back of the book, there's some like bonus content to sort of preview what you're going to learn. But in the next graphic novel, which is due out later this year, the second installment, um, that's when we're going to start getting the flashbacks. And you're going to find out why Kiyoshi has that metal spine. What happened to him? Is he part cyborg or did, you know, is that just his prosthesis that something happened to his, his back, you know? Um, and what's fun about the series is, is that, especially moving forward, is, is that you're going to find out why it is they agreed to join the program. So you'll have the main Treadwater storyline, the team, you know, dealing with the, <clears throat> the woes of the world in current day. Um, and then what what happened to them in their past that led to their darkness and their decision to you know join Alan in his cause? It sounds like a really well crafted ensemble cast. Thanks. It, it sounds it's. I like the setup. I like the uh, I like the concept. I like the characters as you've described them. There's uh, it seems all set up so that uh, we can just go about the business of enjoying the storyline and watching everything unfold. And there is obviously a grand sweeping arc in store for the reader. Oh, absolutely. I mean, though, you know, when crafting a story, right, as a whole, you know, I, I watch a lot of TV, and um, a big thing for me that I've always, like, really appreciated was, like, reveals, but, um, like, when to put them in there, planning ahead, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in sort of, like, writing as you go along. I think that's okay to begin with, but before you like actually put something else out, like put it out there, you need to really have like, where is this going? Like, for example, like when pitching a TV show nowadays, you need to have like five seasons mapped out before you can even, you know, go and pitch a show. And and that just goes to show you that people want to know that like what vision you have, you know? So we mapped out, uh, I think that you may have seen or read somewhere that there's, this is part of a 30 part graphic novel series. Now it takes a while to do a graphic novel, but um, the point is, is that we we planned for 30 graphic novels worth of storyline, which equates to about five seasons worth of TV. So um, there's a there's a bunch of, you know, character growth. You're going to characters that you may hate now. You might wind up loving later characters that you love now. You might wind up feeling betrayed by them later on. Um, you know, there's. You watch a show like um, The Walking Dead, or read the graph, read the comic series, the graphic novel series, The Walking Dead, and it's a character first story. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think people love that story because they're like, "Oh, zombies, zombies, zombies." No, they they like it because they're on this journey with these characters as they're forced to adapt in order to survive. You know, what pieces of their morality are they willing to give up, and which ones will they refuse to at all costs, and how will that affect them? So when writing Treadwater, um, you know, me and my, my co-writer, Nat Prinzi, who I, uh, we, I've teamed up with now for, you know, the continuation of the series, made sure to really take that into consideration. You know, uh, it's, it's always cool to have and, and important to have really strong backstories for your characters, but that's only the, the back end of that. We want to know how do they change moving forward, right? So it, indeed, you need to have indeed. the forward story, too. Huh. Yeah, it's... Uh... So the storyline that you've developed, uh, you have charted this out, uh, obviously have a clear roadmap of where you're going, and this has enabled you to translate this into multiple media. 
So yep. you're you're doing a transmedia project, and I am struck by how common transmedia projects are these days. What was it? Uh, where did the decision come to do a transmedia project? Well, it's funny because when I first started doing the transmedia thing, I didn't even know it was called transmedia. Someone was like, oh, transmedia. And I was like, no, 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 multimedia. And they're like, I think you mean transmedia. So um, to answer your question, um, the way this whole thing started in the first place is that uh, Treadwater was a story that myself, my brother, one of my other childhood best friends, Nat, who's now my co-writer and, and partner, and then another friend of mine, Johnny, who's like uh, a young, I mean, a childhood friend of mine. We, we had sort of created the storyline when we were really young, uh, like, you know, teenagers and whatnot. And um, I got sidetracked in my life and wound up going into sales for a while, then got really inspired to, uh, you know, be creative. I said, you know, I'm going in the wrong direction in my life. I really want to to start writing, to do something that I'm truly passionate about. And I started writing on the side. And before I knew it, it was consuming, you know, my thoughts and all I wanted to do was write. And then, so eventually I just sort of up and quit my job, you know, I'm paraphrasing and it's sort of wow. cutting corners here, uh-huh. but, um, I, I wound up, you know, um, using my sort of like savings to, to pay the, you know, pay Ray Dillon, our artist to, to build the, the graphic novel. And then whatever I couldn't afford to finish, I used Kickstarter to kick finish, <laughs> In this, in that regard, and then I brought that gra- the graphic novel sort of back to uh, the core four, which is my obviously I'm one of them. My brother Nat, and then Johnny, and was like, "Hey guys, look what I made!" And Owen, my brother, and Nat, who also run um, a digital media company called Better Days, um, they do a lot of video content and like you know animation and things like that. They said, "Oh, this is awesome! I can't believe you took our story and like you know made it into." like this, this awesome graphic novel. Um, and then they said, wouldn't it be great if like we casted live actors and maybe did like this really cool interactive experience. That's like a really big thing right now. And we can, you know, really pull the audience into it, um, and give them sort of more mediums to get lost in. And so we wound up casting live actors and did this whole, you know, interactive experience. So if you visit treadwater.tv from a computer, versus a mobile device. Cause if you go from a mobile device, you won't get the same interactive piece of right, it. Right. But if you go from mm-hmm. a computer, it's, as you'll see, it's designed to make you feel like you've somehow hacked into their system. Um, and they kind of catch you. Um, and then from there you kind of explore. So it, it's not made to be your, your typical interact. I mean, your typical informational site. It's a lot more like you've got to kind of explore, experience it on your, uh, on your own. And as you do that, you'll unlock different sectors. You'll stumble upon hidden videos things like that. It's, it's pretty fun. Um, and we're always, you know, we're always adding to it. Um, one of the things that we're, we have in the pipeline that we're doing, um, it just takes a little while is creating what we're calling the eighth operative, right? And the eighth operative allows you, the user to take an entrance exam where you're going to be tested on your mental acuity and uh, sort of a psychological evaluation. And if you pass the test, it's going to, you know, it's a fun little game, like a test. If you pass it, you're, you're granted a level one access clearance to the program and you start to integrate into the team and you, you'll trigger different response uh, oh, cool. videos from the from the teammate, your teammates, your fellow operatives as you do or don't do the things they ask you to do. Wow, that's really in depth. Hmm. Uh, and it's a very familiar story as well. I mean, um, I know a lot of people who just say, I can't do this anymore. I have to pursue this thing that's burning in my mind. You know, 
Because if you don't do it, you're going to live your whole life wondering what would have happened if, uh, you, exactly. if you did. And you'd have a lifetime of regret. And you only get, you know, a few decades to pop your head up and take a look around before the lights go out. So you might as well. What yeah, have you got I to mean, lose? You're going to be dead anyway in, you know, 50 years or 60 years or whatever. So uh, I have to admire... Uh, I have to admire you for having enough belief in yourself and the work of your friends to take this to the next level and actually really and actually that. produce something. Yeah, I mean, just to, in full disclosure, I mean, it was a, it was extremely scary. It, it wasn't as nonchalant as it <laughs> sounded. Like, of course, my parents thought it's always I was crazy. scary. You know? Oh like, yeah, it, God yes. Um, it's no, terrifying. I mean, terrifying. the word unrealistic is something you'll hear a lot. Um, yeah. You know, it's oh, it's really unrealistic to think you can do this and stuff like that. And what I've come to believe is that unrealistic is a word that people throw around who are sort of too scared to take a chance on themselves. Um, and that's that's okay. I'm not saying, oh, well, you're you know, you're too you're too much of a scaredy cat to try. It's extremely scary, and you need to have a lot of things in place in order for you to be able to to take that kind of a leap. Um, I think it's you know, like you said, the the longer you wait, right? If I, I was doing well in my my other career in sales and marketing. Um, but I was like kind of going up the, the corporate ladder in the, in a field I didn't really care for. And the older mm-hmm. I got, you know, if I, I, I'm not married, I don't have kids right now. So I don't, my responsibilities outside of myself are pretty minimal, if non-existent, pardon me. So, you know, if I'm going to do it sort of now is the time, uh, I Abs- guess. Absolutely. I, I um, absolutely but hindsight agree. is always twenty twenty. Like I can't tell you enough, Gene. Like how much I, I, if I could go back and do, I mean, I would do it all over again. But like the experience and knowledge that I've had just from doing things wrong, or or <laughs> like you know failing along the way, uh-huh. I'd be like, oh well. So you know, I, I would I would have saved up more. I would have had a better plan about this. Like I didn't think about distribution of the comic book when I started writing it. I didn't think about you know, printing, it was just like, well, how do I get it made? And then once I got it made, I was like, okay, well now how do I print it? And then once I got it printed, I was like, okay, well now how do I get it in stores? And then once I got it in stores, I was like, well now how do I get people to buy it? You know, so it's like, it, it was a learn as I go process for me, but it's, like now, so, you know, Treadwater is just my eldest son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Dark Rose Studios, which is, um, it's my creative, uh, or our creative, uh, I guess you'd call it like a creative content studio. Essentially what we do is, me and my team, we um, create intellectual properties, right? Mm-hmm. Series, um, you, pretty much of the sci-fi and fantasy uh, variety. And we build them out and then we pull, try to get them into uh, at least one tangible medium, whether that be a graphic novel, comic, or uh, just a regular novel, text novel. And then we, you know, we build it into this multimedia or transmedia. I mean, the, the word transmedia different or the term transmedia different from multimedia means interconnected really, right? right? Well, you're using may, multimedia, right? It's, it's, um, multimedia means multiple media used in a single work. Transmedia means multiple works built from the same concept theme or storyline across several different distribution channels. And that's where people get confused. Yeah. In layman's terms, for anyone else out there who's like, wait, I don't really get it. Um, 
pretty much so what we did is we have a graphic novel right you read the mission in the graphic novel right and then you can go on our website and you can be briefed on that mission by the actors in in character talking about that same mission you just read or you can play our video game which we actually have in development right now um there's a link on our website like i figured that would be i figured there would have to be one yeah, because you've done everything else. I mean, we put a video you know. up of like what it looks like. We're not yeah. letting people play it yet. We're we're collecting beta testers right now. Um, you can go to our website and just click the video game uh, icon. It's like one of the main sectors. Pretty easy to find, and then it'll say like sign up here to be a beta tester. But um, and then so what I was getting at is you can play the mission you read in the comic, but change the outcome slightly of the story. Right, so mm-hmm. it'll always take you to the main storyline. But you can sort of change the relationships of the characters. You know, uh, there's a lot of rivalries, love triangles, allegiances in our story. And so, like, the, the point of the video game is going to be so that you can experience it, you know, from one or multiple characters' perspectives, but also sort of change the relationships of the characters because, you know, the story is really mm-hmm. all about relationships. Um, well, you know, and, like, and the decisions like I, each character makes and how they affect their relationships with the other teammates. Exactly. You know, that trust sort of is a, trust that sort is like a huge theme in Treadwater. So, like for example, um, like Joe, the team leader, you'll quickly come to find does not trust Alan, the recruiter. Mm-hmm. You know, he was originally told by Alan, you know, hey, I'll, I'll do everything I can to wake your daughter up, come work for me. And then Joe quickly, you know, begins to suspect that maybe Alan already knows how to wake her up, but won't because if he does so, Joe will leave. Right. Right. So right. there's that sort of distrust. Meanwhile, Sylvie, you know, our femme fatale hacker from France looks to Alan as like a true mentor and almost surrogate father. And she really thinks he's doing good in the world and trying to facilitate change, you know? So everyone's relationship is different in the program and it it creates a really fun dynamic between all the characters. So in the development of your storyline, how many people worked on the core concept with you, you and, and your brother? And no, who, there are who, four total. We call it the core four. The core four. There's my yeah. Uh, it's myself, Nat Prinzi, Owen Rosenblum, my brother, and then Jonathan Handler. So uh, there's sort of the core four that make up mm-hmm. the the Dark Rose team. Uh, Nat is not only my co-creative. He's like Nat, Nat and I run the company Dark Rose Studios mm-hmm. and whatnot. We're like the lead creative behind everything because this is like literally our full time job. Um, whereas like Owen and Johnny, you know, also have other full-time gigs Mm -hmm. but um you know like when it comes to creating a property uh we we sort of build the core foundation where's this story going to take place what's the world the setting you know who who's our main protagonist or protagonists um you know what are who are our antagonists what is the conflict you know i mean it's just like basic stuff Mm -hmm. but um i think what's important is to draw inspiration from the things you love. Like there's so many times where people go, Oh, you know what? Um, that, that one character reminds me a lot of this character and this character. And I'm like, yeah, you got it. That's exactly the two people that I combine, you know? And I don't look at that as, as stealing or plagiarizing. I look at it as drawing inspiration. Well, it's, um, it's fusion, you know, it's, yeah, exactly. it's, it's synthesis. There's uh there haven't been any new ideas since, uh, uh, Man first started making cave paintings with uh, torch smoke, you yeah. know, uh, and uh, to presume otherwise is is uh, oh I don't know I, I I think it's it's a little bit of hubris. Uh, every everybody every writer borrows from somewhere. How well you 
infuse it with other concepts is what makes the measure of the, the writer or the painter or the musician. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that, um, that, you know, making things work well in your story is the, is the hard part. You know, anyone can say, Ooh, I'd really like to put a character like Wolverine in my superhero story, you know, and then it just doesn't work. And you're like, that feels out of place. Like you just wanted to put that character in your story. Whereas like, you know, if I I could spend hours going through all of the places I've drawn inspiration from and the care, like where I got the inspiration for this character and, and for this setting and this political, Mm -hmm. you know, storyline and whatnot but it's it's trying to make it work uh appropriately uh make the pieces fit perfectly you know in whatever story you're working on so like nat who's my he's really like my my co-executive creative director Mm -hmm. um and runs the like you know the company with me and is also the lead writer um uh johnny and owen aren't so much writers as they are sort of like you know uh foundation creators for stories Mm -hmm. um at this point but nat and i like do the actual like plotting out of the entire sort of series obviously taking uh into account what the other two say but uh when we're building something like this we need to make sure that you know everything we do makes sense and and for what like for the story not just because we really want to put it in there I think you, speaking of inspiration, you, uh, you inspire me personally. Oh, thanks. Yeah, because this is something that it's very, very hard to do. You, this is your full-time day job. And that's something that so few creatives are able to say uh, about their own work. Even, even famous science fiction writers have day jobs. Um, well, I mean, look, just to give yeah. anyone else out there who thinks like, oh, well, how did he do it and all that stuff? For two years, I was making zero dollars, literally no income being creative. Now I make money and I have a salary because we were able to, you know, uh, raise money and turn, you know, our our franchises into a sustainable business, right? Um, Like the goal is you you need, you can't just pitch someone ideas anymore. You have to show them executed ideas. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to say, this is what I thought up and then this is what I made, you know, and, and Kickstarter and crowdfunding resources is a great way to, to build your tangible product. But when you can put something into someone's hands or physically show them, you know what I mean? Whether, uh, you know, even if it's just a written book or, or a, uh, a, you know, a graphic novel or even a website or whatever it may be, but like an illustration, the point is, is that like, I think people will get on board with your vision if they know that you're dedicated to executing it. Um, and then, so, you know, once, once I actually had, you know, a tangible book and then this interactive website and then a piece of all this other stuff and I, and I, we had a growing social media following and stuff, we began to become a brand. And then when we went to, you know, family uh, and friends or angel investors just to say, hey, look, we need a little bit of money to promote the sale of our book. And then, you know, I mean, this is sort of like raising mm-hmm. capital 101 kind of thing, but like, um, you know, at some point we, we managed to establish Treadwater as an actual brand. Like the hope is, is that, you know, the same way that like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, Walking Dead, these are all indie storylines. They're like indie uh, comics that have now become like billion dollar mega franchises it's because someone had a really great story um, that was unique, strong characters, and then turned it into a brand and now there's lunch boxes and video games and toy lines like and it's, teenage you know, mutant ninja turtles what a cra- exactly you know what a crazy thing two guys 1983 working in their own uh working in a, their own comic book uh publishing studio 
sitting having pizza, one of them draws a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle on the back of a napkin. And now we've got this amazing franchise. And there's movies and there's comic books. There have been uh, a number of TV series. And it's, it's come into its own. And this is what happens when you believe in your dreams. Did you, at, at some point during those first two years before you were making a dime, did you stop and think, oh, my God, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be, it'd, I'd be <laughs> lying to you and myself if I said never. It's okay to have doubts. I mean, I think everyone has fear. You know, fear exists for a reason, you know, but it, you can either let it stop you from doing the things, you know, and like literally let it be a hindrance to or you can, or you can let it be the thing that makes you better, right? So um, I've learned to sort of I'm scared all the time of stuff. It's not like I'm like never scared. I'm like usually always scared of things. I just have, I've learned to like consistently face my fears. And every time mm-hmm. I face a fear, like I always feel, I always come out feeling better and stronger. You know, they always say like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I believe that to be true. You gain experience from that, you know, and now you know, okay, well you, you know, you, you, you had one, you were faced with one problem and then you figured out how to solve that mm-hmm. problem. I mean, like I saw the movie, um, the Martian, right. And, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but one of the things that, um, Matt Damon's character says in it is that it's just one problem at a time and learning to like sort of solve it. And after you solve enough problems, you make it home or you, in this case, it's, you make it to where you want to get to, you know, but it's, I think that 99% of, of people who fail, it's not that they failed. It's that they failed once and stopped. That's you know, very, where, where well, very I think, well put. Like, very well put. Thanks. Yeah. It's, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say. So it's you know I've I've failed plenty of times. You know I've wasted so much money on like trying to do something because I thought it was the right way to go about it. Now, like like I said earlier, like hindsight's twenty twenty. If I could go back, I would have saved. I would have been able to put out the same stuff I did three times more quickly at one third of the cost. But you know you live and you learn. So. All I can say is for anyone who wants to like know how to do stuff, like the internet is a powerful tool. Google, you can literally Google full on questions. I would like type in paragraphs. Hey, I want to do this. And in order to do this, how would I, and I'd literally like just put it into a question and some stuff would come up and then I'd go to forums and I'd read stuff. Mm-hmm. You just need to, I mean, there's just a lot of crap out there. So you need to learn, well, you need to be able to decipher what's good <laughs> yeah. info and what's not. But uh-huh. I think if you're smart enough and you, you, you're patient enough to like read as much as possible, you'll start to figure it out. Like what is good advice and what's not. Well, and the other side of that is you're going to make mistakes. Oh yeah. And some of the mistakes are going to be very, very expensive ones, but compared to the cost of, I mean, if, if you look at it, like, uh, I'm going to school, I'm going to learn how to, build a transmedia company. I don't know the slightest thing about how to do that, but I'm going to learn how. And, uh, uh, if I went to a university, you know, to get a, a master's degree in business on how to do this, it's probably going to cost me more than just going ahead and doing it. <laughs> Man, so that's so probably here true we too. go, you know, yippee ki And, uh, you, you have to look at your, your financial, failures and misjudgments as learning experiences uh, that you were probably going, if you didn't spend it in real life, you'd have spent it in the classroom. 
So yeah, also, don't worry oh, yeah, about I it. <laughs> no, that's right. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, um, some people always, you know, say, well, I don't have money saved up and I can't do this. You can, like I said, you can use Kickstarter. Like, I, I was working on this for about a year while working on another, like, doing it on my free time and on the side mm-hmm. while I was, like, writing the script for the graphic novel and then working with Ray, the artist, to, to build it. I wasn't, like, com- like, I wasn't just, like, out of the blue, like, oh, well, now I want to write full time and they quit. I had already, like, created the tangible product or part mm-hmm. of it anyway like the first issue proof of concept yeah exactly proof of concept so like make sure you have that piece of it before you decide to take the uh the leap you know what i mean like you, you need to have sort of tried it worked on it for a while to know that it's something that's going to sustain for you like when i say sustain i mean like the passion will sustain that this is something you can see because work is called work for a reason right i love what i do I, lo- I love being able to be creative all the time, but I, you know, I also, I wear many hats. I do the marketing side of things. I do the business side of things. I have to go over budgets and stuff now. It's thing, you know, like I, it's a small company and I pretty much oversee a lot of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So you, it's like, I heard this, this saying once you can either slave nine to five or hustle 24 seven. Well, I hustle 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a commitment that never stops. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my parents, I drive my parents crazy. Because sometimes I'm at dinner and like all of a sudden I'll get an email from someone and I need to excuse myself <laughs> or I won't even excuse myself. I'll just do it under the table. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, so the, the, not to say that that's OK, by any means it's not. But it, the point is, is that you're always working on the things you're passionate about. And I think it was Will Smith who said this, but like any extra scent that you have should be going towards pursuing your dream. That is awesome. So let's see. Treadwater TV. That's where TV. we can see yeah, treadwater.tv, which is where we can see the web-based part of it. Uh, there is going to be a Treadwater um, video game or computer yeah, game. Yeah, you can preview. So we put up a beta, um, like it's a screen capture. Like it shows the gameplay um, on the on the website. So if you just click on it, you can actually view it and see what it looks like. People, so we've had some fans play it at like conventions. We, we refuse to put it on Steam just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully within the year, uh, we'll, we'll do that. And if you sign up, on our website, like on the video game page, it says like for to beta test, just enter, you just enter your name and email, and then that puts you on your list. Um, it's first come, first serve to everyone. So, And the graphic novel is created by you, illustrated by Ray Dillon, written by Mark Rosenblum and Don. No, me, Morgan. <laughs> Mac- Morgan. Morgan. I'm it doesn't sorry. say Mark, does it? No, it doesn't. I, did I say Mark? Yeah, that's okay. I said Morgan, Morgan Rosenblum. Written by you and Don McNabb Stark. Did yeah, I pronounce that? Don, correct? yeah, Don McNabb Stark. Don is a. Um, so when I actually, this isn't. This is something that I think a lot of other fans or creatives out there that you know haven't written anything before should should take to to heart. So I don't consider myself, or at least I didn't consider myself, a particularly strong writer. I like to think of myself as a strong storyteller, a strong creative. Mm-hmm. Right, I can come up with cool worlds, cool characters. And when I say cool, I mean you know, rich, strong, relatable characters. Um, but my, you know, I wasn't particularly eloquent, or uh, <laughs> you can even hear the way that I'm speaking. I, I wasn't very good at writing, so I wound up, you know, um, going on like a website. I think it's called Elance.com, uh-huh. and looking looking for like uh, an editor and to edit my script that I had written. Which is which became the graphic novel, and then I wound up meet, meeting this guy named Don, and Don was um, uh, an editor and also a writer, and he told me, "Look, to put a blunt, Morgan, I think you have a, a great idea 
for your series, your characters are awesome, but it's a little all over the place. I don't think you need an editor. I think you need a co-writer. And, you know, obviously he's soliciting for a job with me on this, but he was, I, I appreciated his bluntness and, um, I started working with him and I hired him to sort of help me execute my vision, you mm-hmm. know, and, and reorganize it. So Don and I have become very close friends and, you know, he sort of, he's sort of moved into the editorial role now, but, um, and and so like Nat and myself are the main writers on book two and book three and everything else. Um, and even the TV series that we're working on right now, um, very, very preliminary, but, um, Don sort of has stayed, has stayed on as sort of like our editor, but he helped me write, like actually make sure that the, the storytelling aspect of book one came across, you know, in, in the best way. So that's, that's who Don is. That is, that's inspiring. It's, it's wonderful to hear how a project like this all comes together because you can see all of the energy, all of the drive, all flowing together to form a single bright point. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of The Event Horizon. Treadwater, the graphic novel, the web experience, soon to be a video game, from Dark Rose uh, Studios. Uh, and I presume we can find this, um, is it distributed by Diamond? It is, yeah. You can pretty much, it's because it's not a new title anymore. It came out in July. Um, they may have it on back order. I'm not sure. But um, uh, you can get it at any comic book store. You can get it on Amazon. Um, I believe you can get it on our website. I mean, it's, it's literally everywhere. We're global, so. That's awesome. Thank you for joining oh, us. Oh, and Comixology. Oh, uh-huh, yes, Comixology. That's that. It, you couldn't uh, you couldn't ask for a more complete distribution than that. Oh, one other thing. This is a big uh, for anyone who's not sure if they want to, you know, uh, get the full graphic novel. We we made a motion comic, um, oh. which is the first twenty four pages of the entire graphic novel. Um, you can find uh-huh. it, it. You know, it's got sound effects, uh, voice actors, uh, visual now, is effects. Is that on Treadwater? Treadwater? It's on Treadwater TV. Yeah, just click on the media Excellent. sector, and then you'll find under videos it says motion comic. It's under media, and then you just click motion comic, and you can watch. You can literally watch the first twenty four pages, see if it's for you. Most people that check it out generally wind up getting the book. That's awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Event Horizon. Mark. Thanks for having me, Gene. I really appreciate it. Oh, and make sure you guys check us out on social media. We always post like exclusive updates and like never before seen artwork. It's just at Treadwater. I'm pretty much on all social media. If you are listening to this show, you can find additional media and information on the article that we published announcing this show on KryptonRadio.com. Thank you for joining us this evening for episode 132 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for April 16, 2016 with your host Gene Turnbow. Our guest this evening has been transmedia creator Morgan Rosenblum, creator of the Treadwater comic book and online experience. For more information, visit treadwater.tv. This episode will air again on April 17, 2016 at 4 p.m. Pacific and 7 p.m. Eastern and at 4 a.m. Pacific and 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday and Saturday. Once all the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others as downloads on KryptonRadio.com and on iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. If you are an author or other creator and would like to be on the show, contact our production manager Kat Carter at katcarter at KryptonRadio.com. If you would like to become a supporter of the Geeky Arts, you can do so for as little as $1 to $5 a month. Visit Patreon.com slash Krypton Radio to join the Krypton Radio family of patrons. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. 
The science officer was played by Mark Schermeister. The engineer was played by Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry, and the captain was voiced by legendary science fiction writer Larry Niven. This program and its contents, except where provided by others, are copyright 2016 by Krypton Media Group, Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi, for your Wi-Fi.